You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning. Can you believe it's only a week after Easter? Feels, to me, it feels much longer. And uh, today we're starting a new series called Road to Freedom. Now, after the lockdown, the end of January, we first started to focus on community a little bit, right? So Paul took us through this series, through Luke, looking at all the meals that Jesus had. And we had these meals at the community center. And we focused on getting to, new pe- getting to know new people and getting to know, uh, Reno, <laughs> I guess, people that we haven't seen for a long time. And it was good to build community again. But we don't want to ignore that, you know, during the lockdown and during the pandemic, many of us have have been hurt and have been scarred by what's been going on. You know, many of us have been running into people with very different views on the pandemic and very different views on on how, how we should be, uh, all, the, all, the measure, uh, all the measures that were taken, and, and on both sides of the, of the, of the coin, right? This, uh, and, and, and it caused conflict, and it caused tension. And, and even within families, it caused conflict. And then, and then we had to work from home, and, and, and our children were home, and, and, and they had to be schooled from home, and, and we were on each other's lips 24-7, and tension came up conflict maybe maybe even abuse you know it, it in the pandemic there was a lot of relational hurt that happened now some of you even started drinking more or, or using substances or or whatever and, and and our pastoral teams have seen that there's an increase in people that came for help because of addictions others you know have a, a heightened levels of stress and anxiety and uh, you have a harder time to just let go and, 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 and leave it to God. And, you know, it even, even caused physical symptoms, so much stress. Others were, f- were dealing with loneliness. You know, you were cut off from your friends, from your families. You had to work from home. You didn't see your colleagues. You felt cut off and you felt lonely. Now, others aren't struggling with anything at all, right? You did just fine. But somehow, deep inside, you feel something's not right. Something's not right. You've been a Christian for a long time, but where's the growth? And you're very thankful that you could, could watch these services online and that you could have Zoom meetings with your group. And sure, you prayed your prayers in the evening and you picked your Bible up every once in a time. Uh, but, but somehow the fire died. It's somehow you're not so much alive as you felt before. Something has happened. You know, we're all broken in some way, and the pandemic has, has brought it out more things became more obvious. Now, in the coming weeks, we want to look at some of these issues, right? We're going we're gonna to preach on stress. We're going to preach on loneliness, relational issues, uh, addictions, all these kinds of things. But today, today I want to just start a series off by, by laying the groundwork, just looking again at the good news that Jesus came to bring. Now, if you want to look at what Jesus had to say, what the good news was, what better way to start than to look at the greatest sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, that's a large topic. I'm not going <laughs> to do the whole thing. But, but let's look at the introduction there. It's in, in Matthew 5, 
And I, I like to read it, but I like to read start a little bit earlier, at the end of chapter 4, just to set the scene. So let's read it together. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So Jesus and his disciples are surrounded by this great crowd of people. The fame of Jesus had spread. People from all over came to, to hear him and to be healed. And there was this crowd, and they were filled with people that were ill, filled with people that, that, that all kinds of diseases, people that were poor because of these diseases, people that brought others with diseases, people that were filled with mercy, so to say, people that were mourning, people that were longing for justice to be done. That's the crowd we're looking at. And then Jesus brought the good news. Talk to them about the kingdom of heaven. So what was he saying? Let's read on. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> so Jesus saw that crowd, and he went up a mountainside, and he started teaching. He started teaching his disciples, and everybody could uh, listen in. Teaching them about the kingdom of heaven, about life in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus often used parables to preach, right? He would take everyday situations of everyday objects or people and, and he would make a point about the kingdom of heaven. For instance, he would, uh, he would take a child and he put them in the midst and he would say, look at this child. In the kingdom of heaven, you need to be like a child. Or we say, look around, see all these flowers here. See how beautiful they are. See how beautiful they dress. They don't work for it. They don't do anything, yet they're dressed beautiful. God dressed them beautiful. So, if God takes care of these flowers, why are you worrying what you will be wearing next day? God will take care of you. And so I think that's what's happening here. He tells his disciples, look at this crowd. Look at this crowd. There are the poor in spirit. Here are the, the downtrodden. Here are the ones who are mourning. Here are the merciful. Here, here are those who are, are looking for justice to be done. And he says, they are blessed was not a typical crowd that the Jew in the day would call blessed. But he says, they are blessed. Now, Jews in the time believed that they were the chosen people by God. And they were given the law through Moses. And if they would just rigorously follow the law and obey its commandments, God would bless them and good things would happen to them. Also, for them as a nation, if they would follow all these commandments, good things would happen to them as a nation. God would bless them. And the reverse was also true. The Pharisees believed that in the time, uh, Israel was uh, occupied by the Romans, and they said, that's because we're not 
following the law rigorously enough. We have sinned as a people. They themselves tried to, to, to follow it very rigorously, and they told everybody else, you should be doing this, and then God will bless us, and then this Roman occupation will end. And also, for people personally, if things were going bad with them, they were ill, they were poor, or whatever, it must have been something that was wrong in their lives, that, that they had sinned or something like that. And that. Therefore, we see these discussions among the disciples in the, in, the, in the Gospels, right? We see that they run into this man born blind. And uh, they're discussing among themselves, well, he's born blind, so something bad happened to him, so it must be because of sin. But he couldn't have sinned yet, right? <laughs> he was born blind, so maybe it was his parents. But there was a tower that had collapsed. 30 people died, and they said, oh, it must have been, that must have been done something really bad. And, and, and Jesus says, no, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. He says, look at these people in this crowd. The poor, the sick, the mourning, they are blessed. They're not cursed as you think they are. Now, why is that so? Because the kingdom of God is available to them. All this time, you've been thinking um, only the religious elite had a chance to get in. Only those who rigorously followed the law. Only the spiritual giants had a chance to get in. But Jesus says, no, it's available to all. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. Look at these people. There's nothing in their state that would qualify them to get into the kingdom of God yet. Because the heart is turned toward me. They are blessed. They can be in. That's really good news. Many would have thought, many of them would have thought, God doesn't like me. Look at my state. Look, I'm sick. I'm poor. Obviously, God doesn't like me. I'm not blessed. And Jesus says, no, you are blessed. The kingdom of God is available to you. And then further on in the sermon, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. Your righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees for you to get in. <laughs> How does that work? Be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect, he says. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? First, he tells these people that are not spiritual giants that they can get in. And then he tells them they need to be better and more righteous than the people the best examples they have in the time of following the law. How does that work? Now, we just came out of Easter, and we can find the answer there, of course, right? One of the Beatitudes is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, what is righteousness? It's to be, be declared right with God, to be right with God. God declares something or someone righteous to be right with him. And the Pharisees thought that the way to achieve that was by rigorously following the law. They were so careful in ob observing the law that they had devised a whole host of rules surrounding the commandments to make sure they wouldn't break any of them. So, for instance, the third commandment, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. They devised a rule saying, well, let's not use his name at all then. Because if you don't use his name at all, you can also not use it in vain, right? That's smart. Or to avoid sexual temptation, they would, the, the, the Pharisees would walk with their heads bowed so they wouldn't see anything and be tempted. The most scrupulous of them would be called the bleeding Pharisees because they were, were so much in their own little world that they would bump into objects all the time. Bleeding Pharisees. 
or, or to make sure you wouldn't work on the Sabbath, they, they had come up with a whole list of rules, 39 of them, of activities that you were not allowed to do, just to make sure you didn't accidentally work on the Sabbath. And now Jesus is telling them, you need to be, you need to be even more rigorous than these people. How is that even possible? And I think that's just the point. In Romans 3, verse 20, we can read, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Not by following the rules are you going to be declared righteous. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. No one, even the Pharisees, were able to live up to God's standards. What Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount is just that. And now what? Well, let it, let's read on in Romans. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The playing field has been leveled. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the downtrodden. Blessed are those who are mourning. You can be right with God. Blessed are those who made a mess of their lives. Blessed are the poor. You can be right with God. You don't need to live up to a, to a certain standard before you can be accepted by God. It's available to all, all who believe. God's grace is available to you. You can be right with God. You hear that? Some of you here are really struggling. Last night again, you drank too much. You can't seem to kick the habit. The kingdom of God is available to you. Some of you are struggling with anger issues. This morning again, when you got into your car, you snapped at your, your children and your wife. You don't want to, but it just happens again and again. The kingdom of God is available to you. Some of you here are, are struggling with sexual addictions. You, kept, you keep going to these sites. The kingdom of God is available to you. Some of you are excessively worrying. You can't just give up and, and, and let God worry about it. The kingdom of God is available to you. Some of you think God doesn't care about you because of your circumstances. Look at you, you're, you're ill. Your, 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 your finances are a mess. The kingdom of God is available to you. Just believe in what Christ has done for you and the kingdom of God is available to you. Come to him with all your troubles. Come to him with the whole mess you made of things, with all your hurts, with all your ugliness. And he will forgive you, and the kingdom of God is available to you. You see, there are two truths we need to keep in tension. We're sinners, and um, we're forgiven. Right? We're righteous sinners. We're sinners, and we're accepted. And both of these we need to keep in tension. And we run the risk of falling off on either side. <laughs> it's very easy to wander off. Because surely, surely as Christians, 
we should be having a certain lifestyle. We should be doing certain things and not doing other things, right? Mm, you're smoking. I don't know about you. Ooh, you, you were drunk again. Maybe you should short yourself out first before you come to church. Hmm, foul language. Maybe try to solve that before you can be part of us. Addictions, well, that's out of the question. Christians don't have addictions. Don't come to church. Pornography, oh my. First get that sorted before you can be part of us. And we make the list longer and longer and longer. And before you know it, we invented the law all over again. For people to be accepted by the church, they need to live up to a long list of do's and don'ts. Exactly the kind of thing Jesus was be preaching against. It all comes down to outward behavior again. And for fear of being judged, we keep our struggles to ourselves, we keep our imperfections to ourselves, and we present a, a picture that's acceptable to those around us. And we wonder why we're stuck in our faith. <laughs> or maybe you're trying to live up to a certain standard. Or maybe it's because you actually need community around you, but in fear of being judged, you, you keep your struggles to yourself, and you're not growing. You don't dare to come out. But maybe you're doing pretty well. You think, well, I'm not struggling with any of these things. And secretly, you believe that God actually accepts you because you're actually a good person. You know, this judgmentalism. Jesus constantly gets accused of hanging with the wrong people, hanging around with sinners, people whose lives were far off of what's deemed acceptable in church. And somehow, these people place their faith in Jesus and their orientation was toward God, and God blessed it. You see, it's not the quality of your faith, it's the object of your faith that matters. You can live a great moral life, and everybody thinks you're a great Christian, but secretly you're placing your trust in, in your good behavior. How come that the, the people that Jesus hangs out with find it so hard to find a place in the church? To be accepted. To feel that they need to sort out their lives first before they can enter. You know what? There's this great story in the book of Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles 30. It's about King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a king of Judah, and he was a good king. Um, his father was King Ahaz, and King Ahaz was a bad king. King Ahaz had nailed shut the doors to the temple, sent the priests home, introduced all kinds of pagan worship, uh, set up all kinds of... of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, worship sites for, for, for pagan gods, and uh, let Israel astray, or let Judah astray. Mm -hmm. Then he died, then Hezekiah came to power. Hezekiah cleared the whole land of all this pagan worship. He opened the doors to the temple, invited the priests to come back and the Levites to come back and, and clear the temple and cleanse the temple and consecrate the temple. Now, th the priests hadn't served for such a long time. They weren't actually quite ready for this yet. So many of them weren't actually, you know, you had to go through all these cleansing rituals before you can actually enter the temple and, and, uh, and, 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 and help get it ready. And not all of them were ready. So the, the, the Levites, who actually were a little bit better in, in keeping themselves uh, ready, they had to step in and help them. Now, after the temple was cleansed, King Hezekiah said, I want to now um, have a Passover festival. And it says, that hadn't been done 
since King Solomon. <laughs> Not in that way. That was 200 years before. So everybody was kind of rusty at this. <laughs> First of all, there's all kinds of rules and regulations about when the festivals should happen and who can participate, who cannot participate, and all the rituals you have to go through before you can participate. You know, you have to be cleansed and, and all that. And um, they had missed the date. They were cleansing the temple and they had missed the date of the Passover festival. It should be in the first month. They missed it, so they thought, okay, let's do it in the second month. Should be okay. It's not in the law. We'll just do it. Then they send out invitations all through Judah and even through Israel for people to come to the temple and participate in the Passover festival. And it turns out many, many, many of who showed up were actually not allowed to participate. They hadn't gone through all these rituals. And King Hezekiah says, well, they're allowed to participate anyway. And he prayed the following prayer. Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, may the Lord who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they're not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah, and he healed the people. You see, they made a mess of things. They made a mess of worshiping the Lord, made a mess of, 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 of when and how to do this festival. But the heart was on seeking God. It wasn't the quality of their faith, it was the object of their faith. Their heart was turned to God, and God honored it. It's about our hearts. It's a turn to God. Now, just as we can fall off on the one side, judgmentalism, we can fall off the other side as well, right? The side of love, so to say. How can you go wrong there, you would think. But some people say, well, God is love, and uh, I've been saved. Now I can live any way I like. And in the most extreme form, it becomes a form of universalism saying, well, God is love. He's not going to judge anybody. And, you know, we're all going to get saved. If you say that, if you're on that end of the spectrum, you're, you're not understanding the seriousness of sin. You're not understanding what it cost Jesus to, to give grace, what it cost him to live the life you should have lived and die the death you should have died. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to do away with the law. No, he upholds it. He pushes it further. Remember, he said, be perfect, that your heavenly father is perfect. If you say thank you very much for your grace, you haven't understood it. You don't, you don't get it. We all want justice done, right? I mean, for all the injustices we see in the Ukraine, for instance, we want to see justice done. We want to see Putin be held accountable. And one day he will be held accountable. That's a promise. God will put things right. But what about all the things in our own lives, how we've treated other people, how, how we've fallen short in honoring God? Jesus says, I'm willing to take the blame for that. You can't treat that lightly. So let's not fall off on that side either. Yet as much as God loves us, he loves us too much to leave us, leave us as we are, right? When you have experienced God's grace, you will come back to learn from him, to be transformed. It should be marked by, by a, 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 a thankfulness to say, God, I want to be like you. The grace you've shown me, I want to show to others. 
if your heart is set on seeking God, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you. God will forgive you and you will be changed. Now, this also frees us to be more accept- accepting of others, right? Others who desire to become like Christ, but, but, uh, but their, heart is t- their, their lives are still a mess. To not be judgmental, to come alongside them, to encourage them, to, to, to point them to Jesus, to say, keep your eyes on him, keep seeking him, and then to trust the Holy Spirit to do his work in their lives. When I was in seminary, I had this crazy professor. There was a visiting professor. And um, he taught something like the teaching ministries of the church or something like that. And um, I was a visiting professor. So the first hour you sit down, you, you get to know him. He gets to know you. You tell your name. You tell a little bit of your story and all that. And then after that hour, he said, well, I've written down all your names. And I've put your grade behind it already. We were like, What? He says, yeah, you all got an A. You're all passed. We're like, no, how, d- how does that work? That's not fair. The other it's nice because he said, you know, you can go. You can even leave. You have your A. And we're like, well, I could use a day off, actually a week off, work on my papers for other courses. S- someone even left just to test him out. He came back the next day. But something happened. And we're all, everybody stayed. <laughs> Everybody wanted to learn from this crazy professor. And I thought it was brilliant because he was teaching teaching ministries. And his, his reasoning was, well, you're here just because of your grade. That's why you're in this class. But when you need to teach in your church, people are not there for a grade. People will show up because they want to learn and they come back because you do a good job. So I'm raising the bar for myself. You can leave whenever you want. You still got your A. You're not here for the grade. But I'm going to teach in such a way that you will want to come back, that you will want to learn. And that also taught me something about God, right? We don't need to know all the course material. We don't need to first have it all figured out. We don't need to pass a test. We already got our passing grade, and the course is only starting. (laughs) You will want to come back. And when you come back, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and will change you. Now, maybe you're not seeing transformation in your life. And, and why could that be? Maybe you're trying to live up to a certain standard. Maybe you're not seeing because you're not even trying because you know the course is going to be too hard. Or maybe you've left the course in the beginning because you already got a passing grade. Well, you're not seeing any change because you need to come back. (laughs) Yes, you've got your passing grade, but don't take it for granted. Yes, the kingdom of God is available to you. You already passed. Come back. You don't need to live up to a certain standard. Now, in a few weeks' time, we're actually starting a course. You just saw it. Now, we're not going to ask you to pass a test or whatever. You've already got your A, right? It's called the road to... Um, Road to Freedom, and it's an introductory course. It's eight weeks before the summer, and it's designed for people that that are stuck in their faith. It's designed for people that want more. It's designed for people that um, are struggling with the issues that I just named before. Struggling with, with bad habits. Come to that course and learn. Um, it's an introductory course. Sometimes you, 
you know, habits have built up over many years. <laughs> you need to come back in the fall to learn more and to work on your own pace through it. But do it in community. It's a safe place. You don't, you don't want to be hiding anymore. You want to bring it to the light. You want to be real with each other. You want to be real with God. And then the Holy Spirit will show up and work in your life. So if that's you, make sure you sign up. All right? I guess in conclusion, I, I just want to repeat. No matter what your life looks like, no matter how much of a mess you made of things, the kingdom of God is available to you. If you just believe, if you just turn your heart to Jesus, keep your eyes on him. Now, I'm sorry if Crossroads has been a place where you felt that you needed to hide, where you felt that you needed to keep your struggles to yourself, your imperfections to yourself. We want to come alongside you. We want to encourage you. We want to keep pointing you to Jesus. We want to see change in your life. Let's agree together that no matter where people are in their faith, no matter how big of a mess they made of things, that we will come alongside them, right? They will walk with them. They will encourage them. And they will keep pointing them to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.